comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have and life in to the till it. Good, you did. Okay, that was good. Okay, ready? So part six today I want to talk to you about enjoy church together. Enjoy church together. Everybody say the word together. Uh, No matter how smart you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how successful you are, you will never be able to complete your God-given destiny all by yourself. Um, God created church to be a place where family comes together. It says over and over in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. It doesn't say cousins. It doesn't say aunts and uncles. It is a close-knit relationship filled with people that were designed by God before the foundation of the universe to push you into your divine destiny. We were never called to fly solo. We were never created to do things on our own. Church was created not for spectators. It was created for participators. As believers, we're not called to just hang out and listen to the pastor and listen to some good music. We're called to have deep, healthy relationships. There is power when we are together. Um, I'm sure you've seen those geese that fly in the V formation all over the place. The reason they fly in the V formation is because it takes 40% less energy for them to get to where they're going when they fly together. 40% less energy in the natural physically and even 40% less energy mental-wise. They don't have to think too hard about it. It just naturally gets them where God wants them to go. Now, if one of those geese decided that it wanted to fly solo for a while, that'd be fine. There'd be nothing wrong with that. It could easily just set out on its own. But here's the problem. It'll never get to the location. It'll never get to the destination. It'll never go as far as it could until it realizes that it's got to be part of the group and you're here today and you may think you know what i am smart enough on my own i am spiritually mature enough by myself i am wise enough all by myself i'm strong enough alone i'm tough enough alone all those statements may be a hundred percent true for what you have planned for your life but if you want to experience what god has planned for you it's going to take the camaraderie of an entire church family not just sitting back going through the church motions listening to a sermon just seeing how things are but actually becoming planted in a place where you develop relationships with other people who can encourage you who can serve with you it says over 400 times in the new testament together and 350 something of those times it's referring to members not christians but members of local body churches It says things like this, you're to pray together, you're to worship together, to serve together, to eat together, to praise together. Hebrews 10.25 says, do not avoid worshiping together in church meetings as some people do, but encourage each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. Here's my question for you. Are you flying solo Or have you connected to the rest of the flock? You know, if I was preaching on the Ten Commandments and I said, uh, the Bible says, do not steal. You would, nothing in your mind would question that. If I said, the Bible says, do not murder, you would never question that, that commandment. Here is a New Testament commandment. 
written to every one of us in this room, and it says, do not avoid worshiping together in church meetings. And it goes on to say, as some people do. Why is it that there are Christians, not talking about atheists or non-Christians, why are there Christians that do avoid worshiping together in church? Well, here's some of the reasons. One is, is because they got their feelings hurt. Somehow somebody did them wrong or they put their faith in a person and that person let them down. So they stopped going to church altogether. Uh, another reason is people say they don't like organized religion. Here's what's so interesting about all these people that say those things. If they get their feelings hurt at work, where it's, there's organized work, there's a CEO, there's a manager, and on and on, they keep going to work five days a week. If they get their feelings hurt in the education process at school, it's, it's, it's also organized, they keep on going to school. If they get their feelings hurt uh, by a policeman or they don't like something going on in our organized government system, they continue to live in America, they don't move to another country. Why is it that when it comes to church, out of all the other meetings that we can go to in our life, how come church is the one that we seem to avoid the most? The truth is, is because these people are actually not fans of Jesus. Because this is called the body of Christ. And for somebody to say, Jesus, I love your face, but your body is hideous. I don't want to have nothing to do with the body. They're not really fans. Jesus actually said, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. How can you feed sheep if you're not part of the sheep fold? When it comes to fans, I've learned something by having friends here that love football. Um, Willie Korn is a, a member of our church here. He's a good friend of mine. And he... Um, he was the star quarterback for Clemson University, and now he's the quarterback coach for Coastal Carolina. Tell me if I'm wrong, all you football fans. Is it true or false that football fans of a team will actually sit outside for hours in 32-degree weather if it means watching their team play? True or false? Okay. They will actually drive all the way to the state. They will park a mile away. I mean a mile and walk in the freezing cold up the stands just to watch their team play. True or false? They will sit so far up in the stadium, they can't even see the football with their natural eyes, but they stay up there with their eyelids being frozen shut because they love their team. True or false? And they'll pay money to do it. They'll pay a lot of money. They'll even go out there and cheer on teams that are named after evil birds in the Bible. The ravens. <laughs> they represent demons, I think. I don't know. I think that's what... And they'll get... All because they love their team. How much more should you and I come together every Sunday and not just cheer on our Savior, but cheer on our team? Yeah. Do, you, do you realize when you're part of this team, you got prayer partners blocking for you? You got Sunday school teachers throwing a pass to you. You got hospitality cheering for you. You got people that are part of your team trying to help you win in life. You'll never find this type of camaraderie anywhere else in the world. Anywhere. People that actually love and care about you and want you to fulfill your destiny. There are some things in life, there are some temptations you'll face that you'll never be able to get through alone. There are some problems in your marriage you'll never be able to overcome, just the two of you. There are times of discouragement, loss, grieving that you'll never be able to get through without having a church family. This is why David said in Psalms 34.3, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name 
together. Um, years ago, I was pastoring a, a church in, in Socastine, uh, maybe 18 years ago. It was, it was at a storefront, and we called it Solid Rock Ministries. And um, one day, a young, young lady came to church for the first time, and um, she'd been battling suicidal thoughts. She had been cutting herself with razor blades all along her arm and her inner thighs. Um, she thought she was doing it to try to somehow get rid of the emotional pain, but she was actually causing her more pain. Uh, she was getting beat and abused by her boyfriend who she lived with. And uh, she thought, you know what, I'm going to try church just one last time just to see what happens. She came out of all the churches in Myrtle Beach, she came to our church. She didn't even have the courage to come inside because she felt so guilty for how she had been living her life. She sat out in the parking lot all by herself. After service was over, she went ahead and left. That week, she had more suicidal thoughts. There was more cutting, more abuse. So she thought, okay, I'm actually going to church next Sunday, and then I'm going to be done with my life and just end it all. She came into church that Sunday. As soon as she walked in, she told how everything inside of her said, turn around and go home. You don't deserve to be here. As soon as she was about to turn around, one of the ushers handed her a bulletin. She says she never felt such safety and peace in a long time in her life. She walked into the church. Before she could sit down, three people greeted her. After she sat down, somebody came and sat with her and talked with her a little bit. During praise and worship, she couldn't help but just cry and sob the entire time. During take five, she said somebody gave her a hug. She hadn't felt a real hug in years. During the sermon, God changed her life. She left that day a new person. She broke up with her boyfriend. She kept coming back to church, kept getting involved. She joined the church. She started becoming a part of the music team. She found a great guy who came to church with her. He got saved. They got married. She got pregnant. We threw her a big party, got her a bunch of gifts. But the day of her delivery, she gave birth to a stillborn child. Nine months old, nine months in her womb, and the baby came out dead. It devastated her. It practically destroyed her. Just because you're part of a church doesn't mean the enemy's not going to attack you. It does mean that you have a support system that you can't find anywhere else in the world. We gathered with her. We prayed for her. We came to the hospital. She got through that difficult time in her life. Something inside of her one day during a service thought, you know what, I want to be a doctor. She told her family. They all laughed at her. They said, you barely made it through high school. You can't be a doctor. She told us in church, we, we pushed her. We told her she could do it. We prayed for her. Gave her a little bit of money to help out in different areas. She stepped out in faith and she moved to Charleston. She started going to MUSC, the Medical University of South Carolina. Today she has a bachelor's in nursing and she's still going to school to become a neonatal nurse practitioner. Isn't it amazing? The area the enemy was trying to destroy her in, hurting her physical body, stillborn child, is the area that God is using her in. She's bringing healing to other people's bodies in the neonatal area. She was so, she's a very, very eccentric person. She was so touched by what Solid Rock did for her, she got a tattoo of our logo on her foot. <laughs> and she loves to tell the story of how she came to Christ in a church. Listen, alone, alone, by herself, we are a part of a body. But together we make up the entire body. What can the hand do all by itself? It can't do much. What can an elbow or a kneecap do just sitting there on the side? It has to be attached to the rest of the body to do what God's called it to do. 
In Psalm 73, this guy's having all kind of problems. Whole world's coming against him. He's complaining and complaining verse after verse. For some reason, he decided to do like that young lady and try coming to church. Psalm 73, 17. He said, all this troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. After five minutes in church, everything changed him. Look at his attitude now. Verse 25. I desire nobody on earth as much as you, God. Here he was complaining so bad about God. In one verse, he said, God, are you out to lunch? I feel like you're nowhere to be found. Now, verse 28, it's for me. I get as close to God as I can. I'm going to tell everyone about the wonderful ways that he rescues me. What changed in this guy's life? What happened to him? <clears throat> Did he watch an episode of Dr. Phil? and get some good advice in his life? Might have helped. Did he, did he go to Starbucks and get that grande latte that he had been craving all morning long? Is that what did it? Did he call Geico and save over $100 on his car insurance? No, he came to Solid Rock. He got greeted by the hospitality team. He let his voice intertwine with the worship leader's voice. He let his hands go along with the beat of the drums. He let our Sunday school teachers teach his children. Everything changed in his life. I was reading about the penguins and the way they live in their natural habitat. It's not like you see when you're at the zoo where they have a little eight penguin section, you know. But these penguins, they'll actually get together in the thousands. Up to 6,000 of them at a time. Where they live at, there's storms they get the temperature down to 40 degrees below zero. The wind sometimes can be up to 120 miles an hour. Normally, any kind of animal would die in a climate like that. But what these penguins all do is they all huddle together. I mean, up to 6,000 of them in one big circle. And they have body heat that comes off of their chest. They'll flap their wings forward from an inch to two inches apart. And as they gather together, and with the huddle all there, even though it's negative 40 degrees on the outside, it can get up to 60 degrees Fahrenheit on the inside of the huddle. What they realize is their protection is in their connection. What happens if you actually watch a time lapse of it? The penguins on the outer circle will rotate with the ones on the inner circle. And then they'll rotate back with the ones in the outer circle. And then rotate back with the ones in... So they all take turns getting warm, and then they all take turns stepping back and protecting the rest of the flock. Now, if one of those penguins decided it wanted to do its own thing, it said, listen, I'm too smart for the rest of these penguins here. I'm too gifted on my own. I can go out and do things by myself. It could do that, but it wouldn't be very long till that penguin was in penguin heaven, worshiping God face to face. Why? Because it recognizes its protection is in its connection. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 9, 36. Whenever he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them. He felt sorry for them because they were harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless as sheep with no shepherd or as penguins with no penguin family. How can I assure you that there's protection you'll find when you're part of a body like you won't find anywhere else? How can I prove to you that there are some temptations that you'll face in life that unless you're part of a church, they will easily overtake you? Here's how. Who do you think the greatest adversary is in your life? 
the greatest adversary, your greatest enemy. It's not Satan. He's already been defeated. Your greatest adversary is you. And do you know the two greatest sins we face every day of our life are pride and selfishness. Do you can imagine what it would be like if you didn't have elders to bring correction in your life? Imagine if you didn't have teachers or coaches or prayer partners or worse. You didn't have people that were pouring faith into you. We'd be the most prideful, arrogant. You know how selfish I would be if I didn't have responsibilities that don't just minister to me, but responsibilities that minister to the rest of the family. It removes the selfishness out of our life. The biggest enemy we'll ever face is ourselves. And the greatest deceit that we could ever tell ourselves is, I'm the final authority for my life. I get to say what is and is not right for me. That's the biggest lie you could ever tell yourself. The reason we have elders, the reason we have people that are more experienced than us, the reason we have people that are wiser than us, the reason we have teachers and coaches in our life is because we don't know it all. And we can't do it on our own. Do not isolate yourself. Insulate yourself. You should be the most insulated member of this family. That's where you'll find the warmth that this cold, cold world tries to attack you. You can't get out. You can't do it on your own. This is where not only we refuel you, this is where you refuel us. Your praise could be what helps the person standing next to you. Your prayer could be what helps somebody else. Your worship, your tithing isn't just to bless you. It's to bless the rest of the body. You know, the the funny thing about Solid Rock in any New Testament church is that it's filled with people of such different backgrounds. I mean, we got black people and white people and red and green and whatever. We got bald people and people with hair in their head. We got people from up north, down south, Aner. We got people from Aner that come to this church. Other side of the world. We got Catholics. We got Baptists. We got Pentecostals. We got Bapticostals. We even got some heathens from Crocodile Rocks. We got people all over the place. But when we come in this building, when we step foot on this property, and we unite together, and I said the word unite together with one vision, you know what we're doing? We're becoming one family, worshiping one true God. This is what heaven is supposed to look like. There's not a Catholic section in heaven, I'm sorry. There's not an old person section in heaven. There's not a Bapticostal section in heaven. There's not a white, there's not an American section in heaven. This is what a family is supposed to look like. Psalms 133, my favorite chapter in the book of Psalms, says it's so wonderful when God's people come together in unity. It is the same way that the anointing came from the head, Aaron, who was the high priest, and consecrated the entire body. It is there and there alone that God has commanded the blessing evermore. All throughout the Bible, if you study, the easiest blessings to receive are the commanded blessings. When there's a commanded blessing, God doesn't need any angel's approval. He doesn't need all the Christians to vote on it. It's a commanded blessing, and it's easy. Because all you got to do is step into the place where that commanded blessing is. The commanded blessing is not when we dwell together with our divisions. It's when we dwell together in unity. Um, several weeks ago, something funny happened. Uh, my dad, who comes to our second service, he is a very passionate uh, Republican. And uh, he's, he's, has, he's a history buff. And, um, and he, he's very knowledgeable. And he posted a bunch of Republican stuff on his Facebook page. Well, in our first service here, 
a wonderful woman named Laverne, uh, who's a black woman, who's a, a very passionate Democrat. Laverne was raised in a time where there was crazy racism. I mean, she had to deal with uh, being um, treated uh, wrongly just because the color, that'd be like somebody treating you bad because you have blue eyes or brown hair or whatever. Some she couldn't control. That's how she was born. And she dealt with, she actually marched with MLK Jr. So when you hear somebody's heart, when you really understand what's going on and what happened in their life, it causes you to get rid of the divisions and you come together in unity when you really love somebody. And so my dad had this Republican stuff on his Facebook page and Laverne had some Democratic stuff on hers. And so they ended up messaging each other. And they didn't want to fight. They wanted to just kind of hear each other. They wanted to have a friendship, but they didn't understand each other's side. And so they decided to get together for lunch one day, just the two of them. And here's the funny thing. My dad had no idea who Laverne was, but Laverne knew exactly who my dad was. Laverne is actually my, uh, my longest church member. I was going to say oldest, but you know, not age-wise. She was with me when I started preaching in the library in 2006. The first time I ever preached, she was there. She'd been with me the whole time. Wonderful woman. She's very connected here in, in Myrtle Beach. She helps a lot of people with all her the poli political stuff that she does. It was a great, great woman. Anyway, so they get together for lunch. And my dad shares his heart and she shares her heart. And my dad shares his heart and she shares her and on and on. And even though the things they're saying, they don't necessarily agree with, they still found a way to love each other and hang out and have fun. Towards the end of the lunch, it was a three-hour lunch. At the end, Laverne says, well, do you know who I am? My dad says, well, yeah, we, we met on Facebook. She says, no, I've been with your son for 13 years. I was there before you were there. He was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry if I offended you. Anyway, they became such good friends they went out again. And I think they're going out again after that. <laughs> it's like, slow it down, Laverne. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, here's the point. You can be good by yourself, but you'll never be great by yourself. You never will. You meet anyone successful, they'll tell you, I had a coach. I had somebody that poured into me. I was connected to a group. I made that, 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 that point because I had good defenders. I had good members on my team. I had people rooting for me. That's what it's like. And it takes a lot of, a lot of maturity to lay, it down, lay down our differences, lay aside the things we don't agree with, and come together as one united body. David said in Psalms 26, 8, Lord, I love your sanctuary. It's the place where your presence shines. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, tell you, uh, uh, there's this elderly woman who comes to our church here, and I didn't ask her if I could tell this story, so I'm not going to say her name, but um, she had never been to church before her entire life, ever, ever, until she came here. She tells how when she's here, um, there's times where she just weeps with joy, just can't understand it. There's other times where she laughs so hard that she feels like these burdens are just lifting off of her shoulders. There's other times where she hears from God like she never heard from God her entire life. She's amazed. When, I, when she told me that, here's what I thought. I thought, you know what? This is nothing special about this building. It's an old building. It was built in the 50s. There are other nicer, more modern buildings here in our area. Right down the street, you got P.F. Chains. People gather there. You got Barnes & Nobles. It's filled with great books. People go there. 810 Bowling Alley. People have fun there. How come when this lady is in those places, she doesn't receive the same thing that she receives when she comes in this building? You know why? 
It's not because of this building. This building by itself is just an average building. But when you enter this building with the desire to worship one God, it then becomes the sanctuary of the living God. Together we actually form the body of Jesus Christ. When David said that this is the place where your presence shines, I want to teach you what that means real quick, and I'll let you go. Just a little quick teaching, and you're going to need your notebooks for this. Um, there are different types of God's presence in the Bible, okay? The two I want you to write down are this. Omnipresence, O-M-N-I, presence, and manifest presence. Omnipresence and manifest presence. Um, omnipresence, um, omni meaning all, presence everywhere. God is everywhere. You understand that? He's everywhere. No matter where you go, he sees everything you do. He hears everything you think. He's everywhere. God is everywhere. Um, omni, God is also omniscient. Omniscient. All omniscient comes from the Greek word gnosko, knowing, all knowing. God knows everything. You understand omni? Everybody got omni? So I'm going to ask you a question. I need you to pay attention. Then there's the manifest presence of God. Manifest presence of God is when God makes his presence known. When God does something that only God can do. God can be somewhere. But if he doesn't make his presence known, then the manifest presence of God um, is not, has not occurred. Okay? I'm going to read you a scripture, and I want you to tell me if this is the omnipresence or the manifest presence. Okay? Everybody ready? Here we go. Now, think about it before you answer so you don't get it wrong. Psalms 139.7, David said, Where can I hide from your presence? Where can I hide from your presence? What was he talking about? Omnipresence. Good job. I can't, everywhere I go, you're there. I can't hide from you. I'm going to read you another one that Moses said. You tell me which presence it is. Exodus 33, 15. If your presence does not go with me when I'm over there, I don't want to go there. I want to stay right here. What's he talking about? Manifest. Moses was saying, God, you're talking to me right now. You're manifesting yourself through a voice. If you're not going to talk to me there, I don't want to go there. I want to stay here. God, you delivered us from our enemies here. If you're not going to manifest your delivering power there, I don't want to go there. I want to stay here. Manifest, okay? Let me give you an example to help you, and then we'll, then we'll close out this point. If um, I said to you, hey, everybody, there's a multi-billionaire in our church right now, period, and I stopped there, that would be his omnipresence. He's here in this place. It's an example of when I'm saying omni for God. He's here. But if I said, hey, there's a billionaire here, and he is about to bring down a check for a million dollars for our building fund, that would be him manifesting himself, doing something that only a multi-billionaire could do. You understand? Let's just wait a moment and see if there's a multi-billionaire that wants to manifest himself in this place right now. Okay, there's not. Okay, anyway. Maybe after service. Okay, so, for your notes, sin or disobedience stops the manifest presence of God. Now listen, you don't know this about yourself. I'm going to tell you something about yourself you don't know. You actually desire the manifest presence of God in your life more than you desire anything. More than you desire your spouse, more than you desire your children, more than you desire money, more than anything in the world. You want the, here's what you want. You want God to manifest His love in your marriage. You want God to manifest his healing in your body. You want God to manifest 
um, success and prosperity in your business through Him. You want God to manifest His wisdom when you don't know what to do. You want God to manifest His... You understand manifestation? That's actually what you want more than anything. But sin stopped it. Remember Adam and Eve said they hid from God? How could they hide from God? He's everywhere. They were talking about His... God used to walk and talk with them and manifest Himself and they sinned and it caused them to hide. We got it? Genesis 4.16, Cain killed his brother. Then he went away from the manifest presence of God. Jonah 1.3, Jonah ran away from Tarshish to escape the presence of the Lord and his duty as a prophet. Jonah had a call of God on his life. There was a gift that God gave Jonah. And rather than going to the place God told him to use it, he ran and went in another direction and left the manifest presence of God. So if God used to walk and talk with Adam and Eve, and then sin entered the world, and now God is only very sporadic for the next several thousand years, what do you think was the greatest manifestation of God ever? Jesus Christ. How many of you have had the thought, man, if I could have just lived when Jesus was alive on earth, and I could have just touched the hem of His garment? How many of you have thought that a thousand times, right? I just, if, and you think, well, if Jesus would just appear... If he would just appear here, all I want to do is just touch his garment and then I'm done. I'd be so happy. We've all thought that. I know I've thought that, okay? 1 Timothy 3.1, God made himself manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, seen by angels, preached among nations. Oh, no. But he was taken up to heaven. Ah! You're telling me that God stopped manifesting himself? The greatest manifestation ever is now up in heaven? What are we going to do? God sent His Holy Spirit. Why? 1 Corinthians 12. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to the members of the body. To one has a message of wisdom, another faith, another healing, another discernment, another miracles, another prophecy, another speaking in tongues, another interpretation. Now you are the manifest body of Christ. He's placed in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts, healing, help, and guidance. Here's what this is saying. On my own, I can preach a good sermon. I don't need any of y'all to preach a good sermon. I can do that by myself. But you know what? I'm smart, but I don't have wisdom like the wisdom from our elders, so I get to draw from that. On my own, I got some faith, but I don't have faith like these prayer partners, so I get to draw from that. On my own, I can be happy, but I don't have a joyful spirit like our greeting team and our hospitality, so I get to draw from that. I can't light up a room like Cindy Raff or Kelly Korean. I can't sing like our worship leaders. I can't play the drums like our drummers. But you know what? When I'm in this place, I get to draw from all of those different things, and then I become a part of the body. I bring in my gift, and I, get, I can clap my hands, but when I beat with the drums, you know what God hears? He hears me and the drummer. I can pray all by myself, but when I go down here, God hears me and these prayer warriors. I can sing okay, not really at all, but I can make a joyful noise. But when my voice intertwines with the voice of these worship leaders, God doesn't hear me. He hears us. And so all that, I had this much faith when I walked in, but when I leave here, my faith is exploding because I'm a member of the body of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? We all fit up there somewhere. I'm going to give you one last analogy for this point that you'll never forget, and then I'll let you go home. 
When I was younger, I did a, a, in school, I did a research paper on redwood trees. They're my favorite. I've always, it's my bucket list. I've always wanted to see redwood trees. I love redwood furniture. Redwood trees are the largest trees in the world. You can actually, I, I, and I've seen pictures, never in person, I want to. You can actually carve a hole and drive a car through a redwood tree. They're so big. Do you know they'll get up to 350 feet in the air? That's a football field plus 50 feet. Isn't a football field 300 feet? 300 feet yards. Is it 300 yards? 300 feet. And so, and so, and so, and on top of that, they can live up to a thousand years old. Thousand years. Now, the storms that normally would destroy a tree, the high winds that would take out any other tree, pests that normally get it forest and destroy they can't touch a redwood tree i mean they can't even touch it and biblically just you know pests biblically uh is, is a demonic power it refers to demons biblically i like the the, the different stuff that happened in the old testament but anyway so you got these tall trees 350 feet in the air and nothing can harm it the funny thing is that the roots of a redwood tree only go down one foot that's the deepest they'll go. The diameter of the redwoods' roots are an inch thick. So how in the world do these gigantic, glorious trees ever withstand the attacks of storms, pests, winds? It's because even though they only go down a foot, even though they're an inch in diameter, they can reach out a hundred feet long and they intertwine with all the other redwood trees roots in the forest and so when the storms come to try to take down that tree it's not just messing with that one tree it's messing with the whole forest and by itself it may be able to take it down but the fact that it is surrounded by other redwood trees and on the, and on the outside of the dirt that doesn't look like anything's going on underneath the ground where they're planted all of their roots are connected to each other so when the wind comes after one it doesn't realize it but it's coming after every single tree in that forest and if for it to take down that one tree it would have to take down all the trees and it's not strong enough to take down all the trees when they're connected together when we're connected together the storms of life cannot blow us down for the enemy to destroy you he'd have to destroy all of us and this is the only group of people on planet Earth that Jesus Christ promised will not be destroyed. Matthew 16, 18, I'll build my church and not even the gates of hell or Hurricane Hugo can blow those things down. Because we're connected. There's power when we're connected. The greatest gift we could ever give our children is to connect them to the church. The greatest gift we could ever give a friend is to connect them to the church. Why would we not want to be a part of this place?